Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast, leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. Leafs Nation, got some news to get to. Kristen Shilton, Leafs reporter and a co-worker of mine at TSN and TSN 1050 with a bombshell of information today alerting the public that Nick Robertson has been placed on the COVID list as a close contact to the situation going on with the Marlies who were shut down today due to COVID protocols. So to chat about that uh, and what it could mean for the Leafs, I am joined by my good friend and colleague at TSN, Aaron Korolnik, the host of TSN Edge and producer of First Up with Landsberg and Koliakovo. AK, what's going on, buddy? Al's brother, it is an absolute pleasure to be on the show. I am a longtime listener, a subscriber, a huge fan of Al's brother. Not so much of Mike DiStefano, but it's still a pleasure to <laughs> chat with you, my friend. Yeah, there's a, it seems like most people are more fans of Al's brother than uh, than of Mike DiStefano. I know my my parents don't really like that too much, and they always try to say, "Hey, why don't you just just drop your name at some point when you're on Overdrive, just so that people know, you know, get that last name out there." I'm like. People don't care about the DeStefanos on on TSN Airwaves. They <laughs> well, just want to know the Al's brother family. One day, Al's brother, you're going to be applying for a high-profile gig at TSN, maybe ESPN, and you'll hand in your resume, and this guy will look at it and be like, Mike DeStefano, who is this guy? How did he get in this interview with this at this high-profile position? And then be like, oh, Al's brother, I understand. It all makes sense now. Yeah, we'll see what happens in the future and how I go about that. I've debated, and maybe we can start with this question before we get into the Leaf stuff, because we've actually had this discussion. Do you think I should change my Twitter Twitter handle to at Al's Brother TSN? <laughs> or should I keep it at what it is? What do you think? Uh, I mean, your Twitter's on fire, my man. You tagged me in something like for the 10th anniversary of TSN 1050, yeah. and I barely slept last night because my phone kept on buzzing from people <laughs> commenting and just regaling the stories of how much you mean to them and just just heaping praise upon you and <laughs> listen buddy i love you i think you do a great job but not that good <laughs> Dude, so i agree uh, i mean i, I don't you you have a a cult following now i am so proud to see the success that you have it's well deserved but please next time don't tag me anything on twitter because it's just <laughs> yeah, no, that was a little much for me too. I wasn't expecting uh, that type of fit. I just saw like like you put out a, a tweet, you know, and you you've been there for a long time at TSN yeah. 1050, so it made a lot of sense for you to go out and do that. Then I saw the Grappler put out a tweet and a couple other colleagues of ours. So I was like, you know what? Let me just show my thanks and appreciation, congratulate all my coworkers and stuff. And uh, little did I know, like what 500 likes and like 40 comments Crazy. later, and yeah, <laughs> it, it just a lot of praise for me, which I, I appreciated. Some of those uh, listeners who, 
you know, are on uh, Listen to Overdrive, also listen to this show, and, and maybe some of you guys reached out to me on the post. So I'd like to, pre- you know, I appreciate all the fandom and everyone who obviously listens to this and Overdrive. So thanks, everybody, for that. But, uh, AK, let's get to what's going on in Leafland because uh, earlier today we got some news about the Marley shutting down due to COVID protocols. And a couple of hours after that, we heard from uh, our coworker, Kristen Shilton, that. Robertson, who was with the Marlies over the last week, has now been placed on the COVID list himself uh, due to being a close contact. Or I guess we're technically just linking the two. That hasn't specifically mm-hmm. been the reason, but I think A plus B equals C most of the time, and, and I believe this is it. But what do you make of all this? Well, I, I think it's possible that Nick Robinson is not even a close contact. I think just the Toronto Maple Leafs, the NHL as a whole, is going to operate with the utmost caution, considering what we've already seen from the Vancouver Canucks. That entire team has been ravaged. And the fact that they're coming back to play on Friday, and we saw JT Miller's comments about just how daunting a task that's going to be for that organization. I think what the, what the NHL and the Leafs are doing are just avoiding any possibility, trying to minimize the possibility of another ramp, rampant outbreak. And I think you sideline Robertson, sideline the Toronto Marlies as a whole for a week. I think it makes a lot of sense. As far as the Toronto Maple Leafs go on ice, I don't think it makes a big difference for them. Nick Robertson, I thought he was going to be a big part of the organization this year for injury reasons, for a number of reasons. It just hasn't worked out according to plan for Nick Robertson. But clearly the Leafs view him very highly for the future. It's probably not going to happen this year considering this circumstance today. Yeah, and this is like the second one last last week or so, I guess, that the Leafs have had to deal with when it comes to COVID and the way that they dealt with the Nylander situation yeah. where, you know, good on him for legitimately just coming out and saying, hey, someone I know tested positive, am I considered a close contact? And they said, yeah, and automatically put him on the COVID list. I think that also kind of speaks to, like, the buy-in and the character of this team and how much they really understand how – you know, much of an opportunity they have to do something special this year, and they don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. So putting a guy like Nylander, you know, under lock and key, I guess, for a week is just another, you know, is an example of that. And then doing it again here with Nick Robertson, like you said, they it may not, like he hasn't tested positive. Like we know that he hasn't tested positive yet. That could change, of course. But just taking those precautions, I think, is just a testament to what the Leafs think of this season going forward. Yeah, it's it's a complete no-brainer for the Leafs keeping these guys. I know you're giving Nylander credit, but if you think Bill <laughs> Buckner is hated in Boston, imagine if William Nylander was didn't reveal his close contact and was the cause of the downfall of the Toronto Maple Leafs in probably their best chance well, to win a Stanley Cup <laughs> in more than it's at least 15 years. So good on Nylander, but, you know, well, you did I think test it, was positive. Pretty, it was pretty obvious what he had to do. It, it, I think it's a, it's a total no-brainer for everybody involved with the Robertson situation, with the Marley situation. We know what the Leafs can do. We know the situation they're in as far as their ability to contend for a Stanley Cup. They're in a fantastic position to do so. And Nick Robertson, I think they're just going to play it safe, see how it all goes, and keep him away from the team for the time being. It makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, and, and like, so just to kind of, I guess, worst case scenario here is that Robertson does end up testing positive, you know, once all said and done. Uh, we know that this this new variant that's kind of kicking around here within Canada, the one that Vancouver got hit with pretty hard and, and it's made its way into Toronto, obviously, you know, we don't know if that's exactly the same variant that hit 
with the Marlies. But over the next couple of days, we're going to have to keep an eye on things and, and see if any more cases end up popping up. Because in Vancouver, it started with one, right? started with Adam Gaudet. And next thing you know, a few days later, they've got basically their entire team and some family members and some organization members all on the COVID list. So yeah. it certainly it does give you a little bit of hesitancy. And uh, so for those reasons and the fact that you think about it, how late we are into the season, if this COVID outbreak turns out to be even remotely as bad as, as what we saw happen in Vancouver and they got to take a week or two off, um, you know, that could do some real damage to this team. And really, you know, with the schedule, it make it so tough for them heading into the playoffs. Man, it, it could cripple your team. We just saw it today that Philip Grubauer of the Colorado Avalanche is yeah. one of the best goaltenders in the NHL tested positive. He's out for 14 days. So the playoffs aren't that far away. We're talking about just over three weeks. So if your starting goaltender has to sit in a hotel room for the next 14 days, quarantine, recover, if he gets very sick, you don't know how that's going to affect him physically and mentally. That could derail your entire season. So each NHL organization who has any hope in contending, I'm not trying to minimize the impact of the virus as far as a health concern. Each NHL organization is trying to avoid picking up any type of coronavirus. That goes without saying. But those in contention, like the Toronto Maple Leafs are, let's make sure that we are using the abundance of caution. I I think ultimately um, you look at this as perhaps an opportunity for a guy like Alex Galchenyuk, who was playing with Matthews and Marner. Ilya Mikhaev got to slide up into the top six and – and maybe, just maybe, there's some kind of formula for the Toronto Maple Leafs to get their power play on track, which, <laughs> beyond the Nylander and Robertson situation, has to be their biggest concern at the moment. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. Um, that that's for sure. And and we'll we'll get to you know those that those thoughts from you a little bit later. But while we're still on the topic of COVID, I do want to ask uh, this question because it, I think it's it's starting to kind of starting to really creep up into the minds of some people that perhaps the league should kind of reintroduce the bubble format for the playoffs. I think certainly for the Canadian teams, since there aren't fans anyways, it would make sense. And then maybe even for the final four, uh, since you're not going to be able to have fans in Canada and one of those are going to be Canadian teams and you, you don't want to have a situation where you have guys testing positive once you get into the playoffs and once you get into the final four, what are your thoughts on that? And do you think that that's a realistic possibility i don't think it's a realistic possibility i actually broached that very subject to our mutual friend carlo koliak who played 14 years in the nhl and he laughed at me (laughs) and you may be wondering why would carlo laugh it makes a lot of sense you think about minimizing the possibility of coronavirus entering the nhl and keeping players healthy keeping players basically virus free but it's a collectively bargained thing And the NHLPA is not going to subject its players to two-plus months in a bubble once again. We heard the reports from Edmonton last year, players coming out and just speaking very, very poorly about the conditions. And listen, they're not living in a third-world country in this bubble, but the players did not enjoy their time in the bubble. I understand why, especially in the United States, where the vaccination rollout is going significantly smoother than it is here in Canada. Could you argue, sure, for the two rounds in the Canadian playoffs? Could you go into a bubble for those teams? I think that actually makes sense. But as crazy as it sounds in this upside-down world in which we live, the Americans are so far ahead of us <laughs> in that respect. So, And many of the players have already been vaccinated in the U.S. as well. So yeah. I think in Canada that could 
I could have some merit, but I, I don't. I don't believe league wide the NHLPA would sign off on forcing their players into a bubble for two months once again. Yeah, I, I'm I'm somewhat like fifty fifty on that myself. So, you know, on on the kind of teetering on it, but to me also, I think it's just not fair to the teams and to the fan bases that that are in in the states and they've had fans at the stands and to have to go back to being bubbled without fans, uh, I, I think just wouldn't be fair to those teams, right? Like, you know, you got the, these New York, these Texas teams, you got Vegas, like they have fans in the building, they know what the atmosphere, yeah. they've had it back. And if you're going to go back to being bubbled up, I mean, that that's just going to suck for them. And I, I don't think they would want that, let alone the fact that it, it's, you know, money. It, it could potentially cost them more money. We know how much it did last year when they put the bubble up and how much they lost. And uh, the NHL is not in the business of, of giving up revenue, which is what they'd be doing by bringing the bubble back. No, but if you were a player, Mike, Al's brother, like, would you want to go into a bubble? Of course not. No, I mean, you absolutely would want to stay out of your bubble. You want to stay with your. You don't want. You don't want to go away from your family, your friends, because we we here in Ontario are living in this shut lockdown, shutdown, whatever you want to call it, where there's literally nothing to do. But that's not how it, it's operating in the states. And I'm not saying NHL players in the United States are going to bars and and doing all types of fun stuff that we aren't doing here, but the freedom is is clear, clearly a lot more omnipresent there than it is here. So I think to ask a player uh, for, let's call it uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, hey, uh, come over <laughs> to uh, this bubble we're having in Columbus for the next two months and go on a playoff run. I think uh, Stephen Stamkos, Braden Point, Victor Hedden, like, ah, uh, no, nah, I think we're good here. We've all been vaccinated, and we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. But thanks for the offer. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and, and you know, when you talk about the freedoms that they do have in the States, Nick Felino was on Overdrive today, and he talked about how he actually decided to to leave his family back in Columbus just because of all the restrictions that are going on in, in yeah. Ontario. And he didn't want his family, who's been living kind of with some res- remblance of freedoms over the last little bit. Uh, they've been able to go to school. They've been able to do some other activities. And then if they came to Ontario, well, we're currently in a lockdown. Like, you, it's a stay-at-home order is in effect. And uh, for that reason, like, he, even he decided not to bring his his young girls and his kids and uh, and his, his family here to Ontario. So, yeah, I guess the... The, it'd be a tough ask to do, but I also wonder if a team like Toronto, who seems to be very matured and they're they're pretty bought in this year, and although now they've got a, a, some older players, I suppose, they also have some younger guys who don't really have much family, and I wonder if they'd be willing to buy in and, and if they would be into it because they know that they have such a good chance to win a cup, and if they could just take two months and just go hockey, 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 that's all that they have to think about, and get through it. I feel like the Leafs would be one of the the only teams who would be down for getting into a bubble. Well, we talked last year, Al's brother, about the importance of leadership. And I'm not talking about just on the ice, but in these times in which we live, you need to have a leadership group that that the younger players respect and respect to the point where they look at this opportunity that they have to play in the NHL and to compete for a Stanley Cup and not take chances that could put themselves and their teammates at risk. And that's what you hope um, when, you, when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, all these guys who used to be captains are captains, Tavares, Thornton, Bellino, and uh, who, who's the, who am I missing? Um, John, uh, did I say Tavares already? I did yeah. say John Tavares. Uh, in any case, you understand my point. 
the 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 younger players will learn and and want to really ingratiate themselves to the older players and that's why i truly believe when there's a buy-in when there's a team like the toronto maple leafs and go back to the william nylander situation where he was quick to reveal he was in contact with someone who was a close contact of coronavirus or however it ultimately shook down so i think the players understand the opportunity that's ahead of them and that's why i believe and i hope that they are being responsible with the way they act when they're away from the ring yeah, they, they seem to be really have been diligent through this whole thing. And they're they're one of the only teams up until today uh, in the entire NHL who hasn't been affected and, and hadn't had players uh, on the COVID list and, and hadn't had to miss any games due to it. So uh, hopefully that that remains the, the whole way, because the Leafs definitely do have a good opportunity to to win a Stanley Cup this season. And uh, we'll we'll take a quick break, and when we return, we'll talk about those odds about them potentially winning a Stanley Cup and maybe if those odds changed after the trade deadline and get your thoughts on the moves that were made as well by Dubis over the last week. Uh, and we'll do that when we return here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, on, this is the Lockdown Lease Podcast, and we'll have a quick word from our show sponsors, 1010. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're a perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through the Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Welcome back into Locked on Leafs. I'm Mike DiStefano, the host of this program, in conversation with Aaron Karolnik from TSN 1050. Uh, do you think that, uh, or have you seen, actually, any line movement at all out of Vegas for Toronto uh, when it comes to their cup odds after the deadline? Did you take a peek at that? I think you know the answer to that, Al's brother. <laughs> of course I did. And the interesting thing about the Leafs, and it's been this way all season, is that they've basically been first or second as far as the best odds to win the Stanley Cup. It's other than them or Tampa. And I'm looking at it, it's basically remained stagnant throughout the trade deadline. Of course, Tampa adding David Savard. We know Nikita Kucherov will be back for the playoffs. The Leafs made some good moves, but I don't think they are really Stanley Cup odds altering moves. Nick Foligno's a guy who's going to kill some penalties. It's not going to score a lot, but he'll provide more in the intangible department. Adding Ben Hutton, maybe he becomes your sixth defenseman, but he's more of a depth guy. And David Riddick, by all, for all intents and purposes, you hope is your third goalie. So I don't think there'll be too much line movement, but it's pretty clear the Leafs have a great chance to win the Stanley Cup this year. 
Yeah, definitely do have a, a great chance. And you you noted the, the moves that were made at the deadline. So let's kind of get into those and, and get your thoughts uh, on a deeper level about those ones. And let's start with the big move uh, of, of the deadline for the Maple Leafs, and that's Nick Foligno giving up a first and two-fourths. Some people not too happy about that, considering what Taylor Hall went for, just a second-round pick, and uh, Andres Bjork, who's essentially just like a, a bottom-six winger. Uh your thoughts on this Felino deal, and were you Team Felino or were you Team Hall going into the deadline? I was on Team Hall, and I've been on Team Hall for most of the season. And as soon as it became apparent that Buffalo was going to be an absolute tire fire, I targeted Taylor Hall. I was thinking how perfect a fit he would be alongside Tavares and Nylander on the left wing. And the things that I've seen out of Taylor Hall in Buffalo, keep in mind he has one goal since the first nine <laughs> minutes of the season opener. Yeah. Put that in to um, play and think about that just for a moment, how long that has been since the first game of the season. He has one goal since. I think the reality with Felino, man, it's he provides something. Well, he adds something that the Leafs have been craving for years. We know the offseason moves they've made, Simmons and Thornton and Bogosian and Brody. Guys who play a, a different style than the Leafs have for the past couple of years and a style that Kyle Dubas and company have been critical for not employing in the past. And Felino is a great leader, an absolute fantastic, absolutely fantastic guy, as we heard on Overdrive. He's one of the best interviews in the NHL. And he provides more of that grit, more of that tenacity, more of that playoff mentality that I think is really going to help the Leafs. We know he played 23 minutes a game against the Leafs last year in the bubble in the five-game series for Columbus. So he can he can rack up the ice time when he needs to. He's going to be an efficient penalty killer. I think he's a really good fit up and down the lineup. Is the price a little bit exorbitant? Yes, but I think he's the safer option, the lower upside option as far as Polino versus Hall, but he's the safer one. Yeah, I, I was I was Team Felino. I, I was on the on the opposite end of you, and and you know for most of the reasons why you just talked about why Felino and what he brings to the team. But another thing to me, which I think is is I mean also a high character guy, which is massive for the Maple Leafs. But I think one of the other things that they really liked about him was his versatility and the fact that he can play anywhere. And with the question marks around Galchenyuk and, and what exactly he's going to be able to bring to this team as they progress towards the playoffs, you know, is he going to fall off or is this going to be him the rest of the way? And can you rely on him in a top six role? I think that those question marks um, kind of get, put to the side because now they have a guy in Felino who can slide in and, and kind of be that insurance if he does slip. And if he doesn't and you expect for Hyman and Galchenyuk to stick in your top six, I think that he'd be a terrific player on the third line. And we know that Sheldon Keefe wants a, a third line that is going to be agitative. They could be defensive, a true shutdown third. And I think that Felino can give you that where – Taylor Hall didn't give you that type of versatility. Like he's gonna go, he's gonna play your top six, and he's gonna he's just gonna score goals and produce. That that's all he does, and that's what he's he's paid to do. But Felino just brings so much more. And to me, I found that circumstantial Felino was the guy who would is the better fit for Toronto than Taylor Hall. Yeah, Taylor Hall used to do all those things you mentioned, not anymore. And it's been one of the most unreal fall for falls from graces. That we've seen in recent memory it's like he's just lost the ability it's like in space jam with the monsters taylor <laughs> hall has lost it 
And I don't know if he's going to get it back. He's going to be given an opportunity with the Boston Bruins. And I'm not sure how he's going to look. I, I just think about it better as upside. I think about the least power play struggles that are ongoing right now. Yeah. Did Taylor Hall help them with that? As he's currently constituted, no. But perhaps he can find that that magic, that genie in the bottle that gets him back to even a semblance of what, of what he was three years ago. That's probably a stretch. I, I do understand why Kyle Dubas targeted Nick Felino. It made a lot of sense. Could he have been trying to pursue Mike Hoffman at the St. Louis Blues? Perhaps. It didn't sound like Hoffman was ultimately on the block in spite of some rumors. So I think Felino's the guy that makes the most sense just as far as his versatility, the leadership components, and I think what he means to a roster and its construction is just, I think, going to make a, a more significant impact than Hall. I had heard that Connor Garland was a guy that they were linked to and that they had conversation with Arizona, and ultimately it uh, obviously didn't go anywhere, and they ended up going with Foligno instead. But that would have been an interesting um, addition. Uh, Let's let's move on and talk about some of these other moves. Um, I want to say... Well, no pun intended, but I want to say big save, Dave, uh, until until the end here because I want to have a conversation about the goaltending in general, but uh, a couple of the other moves that were brought in. Ben Hutton. Um, I actually really like that sneaky addition of Ben Hutton because I think that he's somebody who can actually play and will play for this team. Injuries are bound to happen once you get to the playoffs. Uh, last year, Dallas used nine defensemen. Tampa used eight defensemen on their quest for the cup as they went down to the uh, went to the, down the distance. I think that Ben Hutton is somebody who you can feel comfortable about putting in there as opposed to Martin Marincin, where we know that it just doesn't really go well when he's on the ice. And then a guy like Rasmus Sandin, who I think he's played two games all season because of either he was sitting on the taxi squad and then he what broke his foot when he ended up going down and playing his first game with the Marlies. So he's barely played this season. At least you get a guy like Ben Hutton who has actually played decently well um, over in Anaheim this season. He's he's looked like an NHL defenseman at the very least, a bottom-pairing guy. And now he comes in, and he's really good insurance for the Leafs um, should they need to rotate out some guys, uh, whether that's giving Bogosian a night off or if injury should occur. He's someone who can kind of play up and down the lineup a little bit. Yeah, and the Leafs have been really fortunate with their defense this year where the injuries haven't really hit them at all. And... Is that going to continue throughout the postseason? You just cited some stats that would indicate if you're going deep in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you're going to need some depth defense. And the names you mentioned, Martin Marincin, that's a name that's banned on first up. <laughs> so we don't, we can't say that name here on the Locked on Leafs podcast either. It's a bad word because if Martin Marincin's <laughs> playing in a, in a Stanley Cup playoff game for the Toronto Maple Leafs, something has gone horribly wrong. So adding some depth at that position was crucial. I think there was a number of guys they explored. I think Hutton's a good fit, a guy who's has some experience, um, who Kyle Dubas is familiar with. We heard in his press conference, he's a guy that they've tracked and they've liked for a number of years. So the familiarity as well is, is there as well. And again, you just want to build depth of the position. This is clearly an opportunity that Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs have identified to go deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs and win a Stanley Cup. So why save the fifth-round draft pick and and opt for a Sandine Marincin 7-8 as opposed to going out and get, get a guy who can contribute if if his name is called? And I think I think you're right. I think Ben Hutton's name will be called at some point in the last couple weeks of the regular season into the playoffs. So it was a solid depth move. 
Yeah, and, and people forget that. And I know that they, they look at it and they say, well, I wish they got a right-hand shot defenseman because, you know, Bogosian is that guy who's, you know, is he going to play a full season? Is he somebody who's going to be able to play an entire uh, schedule? And maybe he's someone who comes out and then they didn't get a right-hand shot. But people forget, Dermott can play the right side. And, yeah. and Dubas has said before that they don't mind playing him on the right side. And he, he could easily slide over and take Bogosian's spot and Hutton could play third pair left shot defenseman and then that'll just give Bogosian a night off and allow him to kind of rest up and get rejuvenated uh, and then go on another stretch run so you know for those who were worried about the fact that they didn't pick up a right shot defenseman um, I, I think you just need to remember that they got some guys who can play both sides of the blue line um, real quick before we get to to the goaltending edition here um, you got any quick thoughts here on Riley Nash and whether or not you think he's going to factor in here I think the biggest part of him coming over is obviously that he added that cap space, that that two point, I think it was three seven five million uh, or two point seven five million in cap um, by going on LTIR. But is he someone you think could factor in once the playoffs get here and they can take him off of LTIR? Yeah, I think it's possible. Wouldn't surprise me at all to see him slide into a game or two throughout the course of the playoffs. I know we know he's a very responsible player. Can kill penalties. Can win a faceoff. And he doesn't provide much offensively, but let's be real here. The Leafs have more than enough offense. The guys down the lineup that are going to need to protect the leads. And in the playoffs, you get a lot of 2-1, 3-2 hockey games. So a guy like Riley Nash is a valuable contributor. That being said, he won't, assuming we don't see him activated until at least the end of the regular season, he won't have been in a hockey game for nearing two months. So to expect him to jump right in in the middle of a playoff series might be a, a little bit too much to ask. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if Riley Nash's name was called at some point. Yeah, and considering the Leafs are looking to make a long playoff run, uh, I think uh, if he can get a couple of practices in before getting his name called, I think he's a guy who's been there before, and I think that he'll be ready to go once his name is called upon. So that was another kind of sneaky depth addition that would cost him a conditional seventh, which could turn into a sixth rounder. Like, Yeah, you make that trade ten times out of 10. Uh, all right, let's take one more quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the addition of David Riddick and what that means for the goaltending position here in Toronto because there's some there's some tentacles when it comes to that trade, and we'll, we'll chat about that when we return here on the Lockdown Lease Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. But first, a word from our show sponsors. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and to choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write Locked On on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. 
Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. In conversation with Aaron Karolnik, producer of First Up and host of TSN Edge on TSN 1050, I'm Mike DiStefano, the host of this program. Uh, so as the host of TSN Edge, I, I got a couple of questions that I got to ask you uh, when okay. it comes to the Maple Leafs. So Bet Online, one of our show sponsors here uh, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, has the Leafs favored at minus 1,000 to win the North. Is that hmm. an absolute lock to you? Well, minus 1,000 <laughs> would imply that, yes, it is a lock. And you look at the standings as they're currently, they're currently situated, it's pretty hard to imagine the Leafs blowing this lead down the stretch. Up seven points. On Winnipeg, up eight points on Edmonton with uh, those two teams having a game in hand on Toronto. At minus 1,000, I wouldn't lay the juice there. No. I would probably take Winnipeg or Edmonton and hope for some crazy thing to happen down the stretch uh, with the Leafs really coming into a, a big-time struggle or some injuries. But at minus 1,000, I'm not paying that. I'm not laying that number on the Leafs in spite of the reality that they're almost certainly going to win the if Nick Robertson comes back as positive, does that make you more inclined to go out and lay some change on the Jets or the Oilers? Yeah, oh, for sure. But, I mean, we don't know who Nick Robertson has come into contact. I guess we probably know oh, that. He's been playing the last couple of games in Toronto. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you can make a pretty compelling argument that if – I don't know, it, it really is uh, – even even a little above uh, my uh, my level of degeneracy <laughs> to start casting wagers on potential COVID exposures. That's a lie. But, you have uh, z- the level of degeneracy for you is very very low. <laughs> you are right. You, you're right. But I mean, I think I think what you're saying makes some sense. I don't expect Nick Robertson to test positive <laughs> just based on everything I've read and everything I've heard. But I mean, I guess I just said this on this podcast, so you could always play it back. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic that there will be no positive tests among the Maple Leafs. But I think if there was a way for them to lose the North, coronavirus seems like the most likely culprit. Um, one other bet that uh, is least related on betonline.ag. You guys can go and make these wagers if you want. Literally right now, go to betonline.ag. Um, Matthews currently is second in the heart race at plus 300. Are you willing to roll the dice on that, AK? It does seem hard to imagine that Matthews can pass McDavid. McDavid's like the Oilers are going to make the playoffs. McDavid is going to put up an otherworldly number of points. And yeah, Matthews will have a significantly larger number of goals, but just the prodigious total of McDavid's of McDavid's points and, and the way that he just dominates games. And that, that's no slight on Austin Matthews. If I was ranking my Hart Trophy contenders, I would have McDavid at one and Matthews at two. But I think at this point in the season, you also need to consider Austin Matthews has missed a few games as well. Mm-hmm. So if you perhaps if he got those games back and racked up another couple of points, a couple or a couple of goals, this might be a little bit of a different situation. Yes, the Leafs will win the North. At least I believe the Leafs will win the North, but I think it will be Connor McDavid who wins the Hart Trophy. 
I've had this conversation on this podcast a couple of times, and uh, one of one of my good friends and uh, one of your former students, actually, Brandon Cameron, boy. somehow persuaded me into actually believing that Matthew stands a chance. And this is kind of this is the argument that was presented to me, which does make sense. You think about when the Leafs went downhill and they went on that stretch where they lost uh, seven of or six of seven games, six of eight games, and Matthews was nowhere to be seen on the goal sheet. That was when he was coming off of his wrist injury, and there was no production. Um, I think he went like 20-something days without a goal. He was obviously missed a couple games in between there in the early time. But you think about how much that team struggled when he was not producing compared to how much that team succeeds when he is producing and how much he truly is the straw that stirs the drink in Toronto which makes him just so valuable to that team, which is having far more success than the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid. I think you could also argue that availability is the best ability. And yeah, McDavid hasn't missed any games this year. Matthews has missed a few. So there's that. I I think for Matthews to get the heart or even to be really considered, because McDavid at this current moment has a 16-point lead on Matthews. So Matthews and the Leafs have 13 games remaining. Matthews has a 32 goals. I would say he needs to get to 42, 43, and really rack up a bunch of points because McDavid, we know McDavid's going to rack up the points, but if Matthews emerges from this season, this 56-game season, with a 10 or 12-point lead on second place, then you're talking about a legitimate argument for an all-time historic season. Because I couldn't tell you, in a 56-game season, a truncated season, the la- like you think about the disparity between first and second in goals, I don't know how often that's happened in the last 25, 30 years. I'm going to hazard a guess to say it's very, very rare. Yeah, yeah, totally. So uh, if you guys want to make those bets, you can go ahead and wager on Matthews at plus 300, or if you think that McDavid's got it locked up, I think they had it at uh, minus 300 for McDavid. So. Hmm. However you're feeling, you can go ahead and do that on betonline.ag. Uh, let's get back into the Leafs' deadline deals here and discuss how uh, the David Riddick move uh, kind of affects the Leafs' goaltending here. I, I, we're completely in the dark on Freddie Anderson here. and Maybe you're not. Maybe you, you're privy to some information that I don't know about, which maybe. you could bring to light if that is the case. But uh, from what I've heard, uh, he's uh, like on his own timeline here in terms of a return. Uh, we assume it, it will not come until the playoffs based on him being on LTIR. So with that, it, it'll be kind of Campbell and, and David Riddick's net to work with here. And I think that Riddick will be worked in fairly regularly. And, and that is the question I want to ask you is, do you think that this Riddick move could potentially be more than a rental? Like, could Riddick be auditioning for a tandem role with Toronto next season alongside Jack Campbell. I think that's absolutely a possibility. Campbell's clearly part of the Leafs' short and long-term plans, as he should be. He's been exceptional this season. He was really good last year in a limited showing, and he signed to a very reasonable contract next year. So you're going to want to have Jack Campbell as part of of your future. Freddie Anderson, I mean, a huge question mark. At this point in time, it seems very unlikely he'll be a Maple Leaf next year. So I guess the question would be, how comfortable do you feel with Jack Campbell and David Riddick as a team that expects to contend for a Stanley Cup? I would not be very comfortable with that. I would be aiming higher than David Riddick. No slight 
to Big Save Dave, but I think if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you need a more established 1A or 1B alongside Jack Campbell than Dave Grittick. I don't know how I feel about that yet. Uh, it's still kind of percolating in my brain a little bit before I, I, I guess I come up with like a final say on this, but I think it could work. And and I liked what I saw at Riddick last night against the, his old team in the Flames, and he was in a really difficult situation just coming in the night before. I think he, had, uh, he skated in the morning practice, but didn't really have time to acclimate himself to the team, and uh, a weird situation playing against the, the Flames, who know him pretty well and, and know his weaknesses. And, you know, I thought that he actually played good and gave Toronto an opportunity to win that game. Unfortunately, uh, Jacob Markstrom just kind of outdueled him on the other side and had a fantastic third period, um, and he's just great in and himself. But I feel like if Jack Campbell can continue to play, probably not the way that he's playing right now. I think uh, a guy who's 11-1 on the year with a sub-two goals against and like a 9.50 save percentage, probably not sustainable in a probably. full 82-game season going forward. But I think that if he can at least play maybe like 80% of the way that he's playing now, I think that he could be a 1A and Riddick can certainly be a 1B. I think what we've seen with this team and the fact that they have done really well when their backups are in net just goes to show how much this team is bought in defensively. Like, And that means the forwards and the defense, just as a team defense, they've really bought in and they've played exceptionally well. And I feel like because of the improvements that they've made and the style and the systems that they're playing now as opposed to you know the years previous, I feel like a true elite goaltender isn't as important as it may have once looked. I think that's fair. And I think we also need to consider the salary cap ramifications of any move. We know the Leafs need to sign Zach Hyman in the yeah. offseason. And we know the, the expansion draft is coming up with Seattle coming into the league. So there's a lot of balls in the air as far as how the Leafs are going to handle this offseason. Yeah, I mean, if you had a Campbell-Riddick duo, I don't think you're near the top of the NHL at all in goaltending. But you're also paying your goaltenders at or towards the bottom of the NHL, which will allow you to allocate more money to other parts of your roster. So I suppose you can look at it that way. Jack Campbell at, at, at $1.5 million next year is is obviously vastly underpaid. And whatever Riddick would end up signing for, well, I don't know what your guess would be, a million, a million five, probably about the same. So okay. if you're allocating $3 million to your goaltenders, you're in great shape. But I wouldn't feel all that great about those two being my tandem because – you're one Jack Campbell injury away. We know he has not been a model of of health throughout his time as a Maple Leaf. So you're going to hitch your wagon to David Riddick for four to six weeks. Wouldn't feel great about that personally if I was the Toronto Maple I think that's fair. Yeah, like once you think about uh, goaltending depth, you would hope to have a little bit of a, a better situation. But uh, I think the, the, the cap is a, a big reason as to why this may have to kind of be the case where they can't go out and spend on, on a true elite number one. Uh, I don't have the, the list in front of me of pending UFA goaltenders, but I would imagine that regardless, it's going to be a hefty price if you want to go out and get someone who's going to be a big-time player. Um, so uh, to get back to Anderson, I guess, if, if this isn't the – the last time we've seen him in Toronto. And let's say he does get back and he's healthy and comes off LTIR and, and rejoins this team once the playoffs get going. How confident would you be in even starting him in the playoffs after being out for two months? 
I wouldn't feel great about it, but I, I am of the opinion that if the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to win the Stanley Cup this year, Frederick Anderson will be their goaltender. And that's no slight really? on Jack Campbell. He's been amazing this year. I mentioned the 11-1. and one. It was great last year in limited action. But I just have this inclination that Jack Campbell will struggle a little bit early in the first round of the playoffs, whether it be game two, game three, and Frederick Anderson will get the call in the subsequent game, and he will go on a run. Think back to the Washington Capitals when they had Grubauer, who started in game one, and it was kind of a similar situation uh, and with, with Braden Holpe as his backup when, when Washington ran all the way to the, yeah. to the Stanley Cup. It was a kind of a similar situation, a little bit different, and, and certainly in this, in this weird season we're uh, playing through, or the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing through, it, it is a little bit different, but... I, I just have this feeling that Freddie, and we know about the playoff struggles in the past, he has not lived up to expectations in the past in the playoffs, whether it be against Columbus, Boston, Washington. He hasn't been great. But I just have this feeling, based on nothing other than that, that Freddie Anderson is going to have a big postseason for, for the Leafs. And you can clip this, Al's brother, and you can watch <laughs> for many weeks, months, and years to come if I'm right. And if I'm wrong, you can delete it. I love that kind of optimism. I love the optimism coming out of you, Mr. <laughs> AK. And you know what? I, You know, he, he gets you know shelled a lot for the way that he plays in the playoffs. But if you actually take a look at how he played last year, specifically in the Columbus series, he was actually pretty good. Like, he, he kept that team in it. He gave them a chance to win. They just couldn't score like they they were losing games 2-1 3-2 like they just couldn't get goals um and he had just had no offensive support and when I'm I, you know a guy who's not expected to play for two months well take a look at last year in the playoffs he played well in the bubble after being off for four months and when he came That's back true. he was fresh he was rejuvenated and the thing that we've always said about Freddie is he looks a little tired once he gets to the playoffs. And there's a big reason why they wanted to kind of load manage him, uh, load manage him going into through the regular season so that he would be a little fresher once the playoffs got here. Because when he, he's on his game and he's feeling good and he's fresh, he's a good goaltender. And, and I have I'm with you. I think that he if he gets an opportunity to go in, if Campbell starts to struggle a little bit. I think that he takes the net back and goes on a run. I'm with you on that one, and I feel confident in giving him the net back because I've seen him not play for a couple of months, come back, and be dynamite because it happened last year in the bubble. Well, and we're talking about a situation that would just be pure sports radio podcast gold. Amazing. Think about game one. Let's say the Leafs are are playing Montreal in game one and and the Habs win 5-1. to Jack Campbell gets pulled (laughs) in the second period. Brandy Anderson comes in, doesn't allow anything. What do you think the conversation's going to be after that game and, and into the next one? Should Freddie Anderson start game two? And I guess we're not that far away from this from the playoffs beginning. We're 13 games away from the Leafs until the playoffs. So we're getting close. Jack Campbell has been incredible. More than anyone could have dreamt for or imagined. But I think Freddie Anderson is going to be their guy. All right. All right. I like the optimism. We ended on a very high note here 
for Maple Leafs fans. You could also qualify that as pessimism as well towards Jack Campbell, but <laughs> we, for well, Freddie Anderson's sake, it's it's often we're a glass glass half full type of podcast here on Locked On Leafs, so we'll look at it in the positive note here. Um, all right, AK, I think uh, I think we'll 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 stop this right here. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. Receive daily Leafs content. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. And follow Aaron at Aaron underscore Karolnik. And uh, be sure to tune in to First Up on Landsberg and Kolyakovo and Aaron Karolnik Monday to Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. on TSN 1050. Aaron, thanks so much for joining me today. We'll have to do it again. Would be my pleasure. Thank you for having me, my friend. All the pleasure is on this side of the microphone, my friend. Uh, I will be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow. We'll be recapping the Leafs game. They played the Jets tonight, actually, since this is going to be released tomorrow, technically. you Do you have a prediction for the Jets game tonight with the Leafs and, and Jets? Yeah, 4-1 Leafs. I'm expecting uh, Austin Matthews to score twice. We know the Leafs have basically dominated the Jets as far as quality scoring opportunities. I believe the uh, quality shots chart is something like 77 to 37 in favor of the Leafs against the Jets this season. So I would expect that trend to continue. Sorry, Connor Hellebuck. The magic <laughs> will run out. He's allowed some some very weak goals as of late. I, I, he's on a little bit of a, a cold stretch here. So maybe you're right. Maybe Toronto takes advantage and uh, pounds him into the pavement and gets a nice victory here. So maybe head to uh, betonline.ag and lay the money line. Potentially the puck line if you think it's a 4-1 win on the Maple Leafs tomorrow. Uh, But like I said, I'll be back to recap that game for you guys. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.